I'm excited about what God is going to do in his house tonight. Are you ready for that? I'm excited for that. Would you do something with me just really fast? I'm fresh off the plane and just ready to worship God. So I'm a little, I may be a little fired up tonight, but that's just where I'm at. Would you just uh, call on the name of the Lord with me right here? Can we pray? And I want you to help me pray specifically for Pastor Richard's son, Leo. They're uh, taking him to see uh, Dr. Small right now. He had surgery Thursday, I believe it was. And he just kind of have a little bit of a complication. Would you guys help me pray for that? And let's just ask God to touch our service tonight. Can we do that right now? Father, we love you and thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're able. Lord, we know that we fight an enemy, God, our adversary. But, Father, we know that he is no adversary of yours, God. We cannot match up. God, with your worth and your majesty, and God, we ask you tonight, God, on our behalf, Father, your people, Lord, that you might come, God, that you might heal, that you might move, that you might touch, that you might bless, and anoint, God, for your glory. God, we ask right now that you touch Leo and Pastor Richard and Chrissy. Lord, I pray that you'd minister to that boy. Lord, we know as parents, Lord, those that are here, God, the anguish that you can go through, and Father, we pray that you'd minister to him and heal him and touch him, God, and we pray this, God. In the name of Jesus. And we ask you tonight, Lord, 
We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. But, Father, we go into what you're going to do and what you're doing tonight. And we worship you. We receive that. And we're ready for it, God, in heart and mind. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you're here tonight. Would you get out of your seats and welcome one another into God's house? This joy that I have.
sisters, we have come in one accord to worship and adore you like I never have before. We want to know you now in a new and different way as we worship here before you, Lord. Let your glory be Fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place, Lord. Let your glory fill this place, mighty God. Sing it with me. Come and fill. Let your glory fill this place. 
seated this evening. I wanted to share with you really fast, if I can, from the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3 tells us in verse 9, it says, for what does the worker gain from his toil? It says, I've seen the burden that God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. He's also set eternity in the hearts of men. I came with good news tonight. This is not our home. <laughs> this isn't heaven where we are. This isn't where our dest ultimate destiny is. Even though God has a purpose and a destiny for all of us here, it ultimately is not the destination He has planned for us. We know the scripture. We study the scripture. We see God's plan is working us towards heaven and being with Him for eternity. That's where I want to go. Is that where you want to be? Amen. You know, it's very easy. Praise the Lord. We can give Him praise for that. It's very easy to get so weighted down with temporary things. It's so easy to get weighted down with the burdens of this life that's temporary. It's easy to go about our day and not realize that we're really living for eternity. And we need not worry so much and be burdened by the things of this world. For we have a home that's eternal with God. I want to tell you. This uh, last Tuesday night at, at, um, at Oasis, there were three teenagers that gave their heart to Christ for the first time. Two that rededicated, and all of them, at least, at least in their participation, devoted themselves to be servants and to serve within their church, school, and community. The week before that, there were four kids that got saved for the first time, and a couple of others that, that renewed their uh, relationship with God. Yesterday, I'm sure you guys talked about this, there was an event that the church, at least leadership from the church, helped to inspire in the community to help celebrating restoration. And I'm sure and I heard from my family that when it was an incredible event. Can I tell you that we're a part of an eternal work here at Stratford Heights Church of God. We're not stuck in a temporal thing. We're not here to entertain or just go through the motions and go home and, and just have somewhere to be on Sunday because it's just a part of our routine. We came and we're here to do eternal work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is using us, and I'm thankful for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you help me pray this morning as we take up the offering? I lead all that. I say all that as our ushers come, and we'll pray over the offering tonight. I say all that to say as we participate in those things the Lord has given it to the pastor and it's been in my heart even this week and it should be in our heart all the time but the Lord's been dealing with me the Lord's given everything for me his one and only son ransomed heaven sent his spirit and his precious word 
to save us, lead us, and guide us. But what am I giving? What am I doing? What am I denying in my own life so that God can be glorified? I've been uh, affected by this saying from the Scripture, this truth from the Scripture. It says to deny yourself daily, take up your cross, and follow Him. I want to do that more. That's a goal that I have is to deny myself more every day take up my cross and follow him because at the end of the day I want him to receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for what this life has meant and what this life is it's, it's in Christ Jesus Cam died a long time ago and he needs to die more than he does every day and Jesus sprung up in my heart and life would you pray with me as we take up the offering tonight give as God leads you and give as God has given Father we love you, bless you and praise you Lord we cannot magnify you enough, Lord, for the eternal plan that's played out in our heart and life. God, I ask you tonight, God, as we give that every dollar, every penny, every quarter dime nickel, God, every $20 bill, God, would go towards beating back the work of the enemy, God, in this community, in our families, God, and the surrounding world, God, that we live in. We love you. We praise you. It's an honor to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
say while they're getting ready to leave, if y'all just stay right where you are just for a second, we have been without our associate pastor here for several weeks as she has been recuperating from surgery and I thought it was wonderful to see Liz Ambergy back up in the choir. Isn't that wonderful? Liz, we love you. We know you've been recuperating, but man, we're glad you're back. <laughs> One more time, don't you love Liz Ambergy? Amen. It's so good to see you. On, wonderful to see some guests with us tonight, all the way from Kentucky. I see you back there. So good to see you in God's house on a Sunday night. Um, you, uh, you are the faithful. You're the ones who come and when uh, everybody else finds something else to do. You, you're the ones that will come out on a Sunday night and and worship God. It's good to see you in his house. Uh, I want to thank Jane Jewell and the voices of Psalm 95. Didn't they do a wonderful job tonight? They say you got to be 55 and older to sing in this, in this choir. So I'm, I'm still underneath the age limit. But one day I'll be up there. But they, although I won't tell you that they've invited me several times to be a part, and I'm still holding on to my boundary. But it's good to see you tonight. Won't you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to go to First Peter, chapter three, verse eight. We're going to read down through verse twelve. Talking tonight about how to love life and see good days. How to love life and see good days. My aunt, I was talking to my aunt a little bit on text. She's from Sevierville, Tennessee. And as a matter of fact, she's watching right now. And uh, she said, boy, I need that. She wanted to be in service tonight. So she is by, by virtue of being online. But um, we all want to have good days. We want to live life and love life and see good days in our life. Tonight, Peter addresses that very subject. So on a Sunday night as we get ready to move into the fall and holidays will be upon us, I, I want us to look at this and, and talk about it a little while tonight. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, this is what the word says. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life, aha, here we go. For he that will love life and see good days 
Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Father, I ask you to take our time tonight as we look into this, this subject, Lord, that will, that will speak to us, that will challenge us, that will teach us. For Lord, in the midst of the move of God that we're seeing in our church and our congregation, I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word that is there for us at every season of our lives and helps us to, to grow in you and to find and know the deep places in you, which you say in Ephesians through the word of God, the, the width and the depth and the height and the length of the love of God. I pray that you'll minister in this service tonight as we desire and we're hungry to learn of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. He that will love life and see good days. It, Doug, it's really ringing up here, right where I'm at. I, I know that you're in control of that, and I appreciate you. Would you help me to appreciate Doug Martin? He does a good job. I don't ever want him. I never want him to think I'm complaining at him, but I'm helping him. Uh, it'll help me to preach, and that's, that sounds good right there for me, so thank you. He that will love life and see good days. Title of the message, How to See. How to love life and see good days. God wants you and I to love life. He wants us to experience it to the most and to the best that we possibly can. I believe that. I am a firm believer in my class on Wednesday nights. I, I talk to them regularly about about living life to the full, embracing the fact that Jesus said in John 10 and 10, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, more than life. He wants us to be happier than happy, more joyful than joyful. He wants us to live out this experience that lets the world around us know that the creator of the entire universe has touched our lives. In his text, Peter is confronting so much there because you almost see it as a contradiction when you begin to read that text. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are therefore thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. He says, for the key verse, for he that will love life and see good days. He's speaking to us from here. And he's actually, it's almost like a contradiction because instead of focusing on what we might consider the good things, he's kind of pointing out some of the things to stay away from. He's kind of letting us know that there's some things that keep us from the good days, the, the, the loving life kind of attitude. It's almost as if he's saying, man, some of the things you think make you happy and the things in this world that you think will satisfy you, he's making it clear they won't. They're empty. That's not the answer. My, my precious mother used to talk and she'd say, honey, don't give anybody ever a piece of your mind. She'd say, when you give people a piece of your mind, you give them, you give them the peace in your mind. 
She said another way, she said, you also, when you give people a piece of your mind, you give them a piece of your mind. You slowly begin to lose yourself to all the stuff around you. My mom was very adamant. She taught all six of us children to be very kind and courteous and good to others. I've always had it in my heart that, that I, I, I kind of stick up for the underdog. I'm not the kind of person that has ever felt better when I've told someone off. I've never been somebody like that. As a matter of fact, Kathy, I feel, I feel like that, that makes me feel worse. I feel empty and I feel mean. I don't like meanness. I don't never, I never have liked meanness. I don't like that kind of attitude. I don't like that kind of life. I don't want that for myself. And I, as a pastor, want to share with you what, what Peter said. When Peter said, hey, if you'd have, if you'd love life and, and if you would, would enjoy good days, he said, don't go that path. Don't be the person that people regret and hate seeing you coming down the, the hall or, or down the, the walkway. D don't be that person. There are folks that see some folks, man, they see them coming and they, they turn and hightail it out, go the other direction. They don't want anything to do with them. And they wonder why they don't have any friends. They, they wonder why people don't want to talk to them. It's because, man, the negative, the negative attitude, the, the negative kind of persona, the, that kind of thing that, that, that literally it just emanates from those kinds of people. People don't want anything to do with that. We think sometimes that the negative things are us standing up for ourselves. Now, how many times have I heard people, well, you know what, I'm just, I've got a new attitude. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to tell people the way it is. I'm, I'm going to start clearing my mind. I'm going to start telling them off. And we think that that is giving, you know, taking control of our lives. We think that is actually kind of us embracing life and, and taking hold of the gusto and, and being the best that we can be. I don't believe that. I believe that Peter's teaching us that that's, it has an opposite effect. And the world has always tried to do that. The enemy's always tried to counterfeit the real and the good things of God. Everywhere you see in, in the Word where the enemy has tried so hard to tell, to keep us from the truth and the good things of God. Everywhere in the Word where he's done that, it's always been something that kind of almost looks like the truth. It almost feels right. It almost gives you peace, but it's not peace. You know, the world right now in Celebrate Recovery is dealing with all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. They're dealing with all kinds of different addictions and things that they that they, they are trying now desperately that, that once in their life they, they embraced as something that might bring a little joy, might bring a little peace, might bring a little party to their life. And then they find out years later, I, I've not met anyone. I, I've said this to young people before. I, I've not really met too many folks older and later on in their lives who still feel like the party and all the things that they wrestled with and struggled with and tried to get a hold of when they were young. I don't know many of them that today embrace those things as something they want in their lives. They're actually spending lots of money trying to get rid of them, trying to get free from them, trying desperately to try to get control again. The enemy says, you want to have a good life? Indulge. The enemy says, you want the good life? Go for it all. No boundaries, no limits. Don't hold back. It starts with something little, as we heard from Chris Heron last night, professional NBA basketball player for the Boston Celtics, a man who had millions and 
I was blown away by his story. It's touched me. Last night, all night, all into today, I preached about it at 8.30. I didn't get to it in 10.45, but I, I, it, it was amazing, the story, because of the way that he made it so clear, man, the things that the world promises you, the, the things that the, the, the sex and the money and the, the fame and, and all those things, we know it, we've heard it, but we still want it. We still play with it. We still entertain it. We still try our best to grab hold of some of those things that we consider to be success in life. But, man, he learned and many have learned and many of us in this room have learned that it's not those things that satisfy. It's not those things that bring joy. It isn't about standing up for yourself. It's about laying your life down. It's not about getting as much as you can get in this life. It's about surrendering everything that you can. Cameron made it clear a few moments ago when he talked about, man, that word that's speaking to him about denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him, following Christ. And then the idea and the mentality behind the Bible is that we lay down, we surrender, we give it all. And in giving ourselves away as they sing, that's where the joy is. That's where the joy truly is. Every time I find somebody in my path or in my life and they start sharing with me and the neck starts going and they're wanting to talk about how they're going to stand up for themselves. You ain't going to say that to me. You ain't going to do that to me. You ain't going to get away with that with me, bucko. I usually spend time in my own mind and heart just kind of backing away. I don't understand, to be honest. I wasn't the bully in school. And to be real, young people, you may not think your pastor's so cool after I tell you this, but I was the one that got picked on. I had this furry red hair, skin and bones. Believe it or not, I was once very skinny. I looked like Bozo the Clown. I'd walk through the halls of Trotwood Madison, and I just stuck out like a sore thumb. I got bullied and I got picked on. But you know what, in my life somebody say, oh, poor pastor, no, don't feel sorry for me. Because you know, I was the guy who learned how to forgive. And I learned how to love in spite of my circumstances and I learned how to succeed no matter what kind of troubles I had to go through. I didn't have all the popularity. I didn't have all the, the free things that come to people that got it all together. I, I didn't have all that. I had to struggle and fight for the things that that I got in life, but you know what? I found in the end that it was worth it for me. I'd much rather be me kind of hiding out and taking hallways to get away from some of the bullies than to be them today because I believe the sadness in their own lives and the anger and the meanness inside them, it's something that'll ultimately destroy them and they become the kind of people nobody wants to be around. I don't understand that kind of mentality. I've never been around it. I had a mother who would lay down you know, in the, in the road and let people run over if, they, if, if it served a great purpose for the Lord. She never really cared about anything in this life. She, if she got $5, she was proud and happy and begging me to take her to the Bible bookstore. She taught every one of us to be that way. I don't understand the mentality that's out there looking to get mine. I, I believe in ambition. I believe in, in being a success. 
And I believe in being somebody who's driven to do the best that I can do. I believe in Colossians chapter 3 where it says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. That was key for me because I could do that. I could do my best for the Lord and not worry about getting the credit or worrying about who pats me on the back or who gives me a, a prize. I didn't care about those things. I, all I cared about in life was just that good feeling when you lay your head on your pillow at night. I, I've been raised to care more about the peace when I lay my head on my pillow than I am in all the things that I've attained or accomplished around me. I've been one to be raised and understand in my relationship with the Lord. The Lord has always told me over and over and over again and shown me throughout his word that the people that are the most successful are the ones who take the low road, the humble road, the meek road. The ones who are, who are lowly in their hearts and minds, these are the ones that God chooses and uses. And I found that in my life I've had opportunities that were unbelievable. I've been put in places I, I pinch myself to see if it's real, if I'm really there when I stood on the mountainsides of Ecuador looking over the city of Quito and I was preaching in one church after another, I was blown away by my opportunities. When I landed in the jungles of Jopal, Colombia, and there I got off the plane and greeted by brothers who would bow with me and take me into rooms and pray over me and want me to pray for their babies and hold different things and give me gifts, and they gave me food, and they gave me scarves and, and all kinds of different things trying to give me things because they saw the opportunity to, 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 to minister to a, a preacher that had come to their jungle. And I looked at all this, these kinds of things and I, I hit myself and I think, what am I doing here? And the Lord says, just keep kneeling, just keep bowing, just keep humbling yourself and keep allowing me to use you and I'll always be the one to promote you and push you forward. I'll put you in places you've never dreamed. I've preached in the outback of Australia and if anybody knows me, that was a dream come true. I stood there in the middle of the outback and the, our team was ministering and I was able to preach at a little church there with a bunch of folks and people got saved. I was thrilled the night people got saved from the aboriginal tribes there in Australia and again I pinched myself I said am I really here am I really doing this and the Lord says just keep yourself humble and keep yourself broken this is the good life this is how you get a hold of the things that God really considers important at the end of it all when it's all said and done let this world go by let all of its toys and all of its prizes go by I'll take Jesus take this whole world but give me the Lord that's where the success is that's where it truly is it's never too late to learn these lessons either I'm learning constantly I'm always learning learning new things that I want to know man about how to be closer to the Lord he who dwells in the secret place sister Liz not on the stage he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. and I, I want to be in that place with God. I want to be in that place. I've learned some things in my life. Solomon, you know, one of the wisest men, richest men, man who had most fame. He had more women than anybody, a lot of them, as a matter of fact. He had it all. The world would say he was quite the success Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 17, he said, therefore, I hate life 
Because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Oh, he was on a journey. He was trying to fill his life with so many things. And that's exactly what the devil tries to do. He tries to get us to care about the things in this life. He tries to get us to make this about. You know, some folks don't realize that we're not in heaven. This isn't heaven. People get disillusioned with God because they're not walking on streets of gold. Maybe one day Braille Boulevard will turn into gold. But right now, it's earth and stone and concrete. And it's got a lot of potholes in it. This ain't heaven. I walked away from a cemetery yesterday where Bill Coldiron was laid to rest. And I, I knew right then and there, this isn't heaven. His family cried and were broken in their hearts. We walk away from it. I'm like, God, there's a hope and a promise, though. There's a hope and a promise beyond this life. Man, Jesus, he is so ready to take us and so ready for us to find the, the real realities of his glory and his heaven that he ain't even going to come down here to get us. He's going to have us come up to where he is. It's amazing. Solomon didn't learn those lessons, and you know the trouble in the way that he did. But in the end of it all, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, he finally got a clue. He finally understood what was going on. It says there in chapter 12 and verse 1, Remember now, your creator, in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. He had the fame. He had the money. He had the palaces. He had all this world would say is success. And in the end, he said, oh, if I could just go back to when my daddy David was teaching me the ways of God. If I could just go back before the difficult days came. What was the difficult days? The days when all he wanted was what he could get. All he wanted was the things that he could fill his life with. Don't fall for that lie. The enemy's been lying. The deception has been there all along. He's constantly trying to counterfeit. He's trying to tell you this is it. This is life. Man, embrace all this. And the, the Bible's clear to point us in the opposite direction. He wants to tell you, man, you don't need real joy. Don't worry about the hard work of trying to get joy. Don't worry about being happy. Man, just take a pill. Man, just take a drink. Just let this be your happiness. Just get on the computer. Just don't worry about trying to work out your relationship. Just get on the computer and let life happen, man. Let the good times roll. He wants to fill his people with so many lies, so, men, so much desecration, so much debauchery. He wants us to buy the lie that this is it, this is the good life. But I'm telling you here tonight, it's empty and it's vain. Vain, vain. Solomon's one of his words. He said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. When he understood and knew that truth, man, that was him coming to his senses finally, really, and understanding wisdom like he should have all along. You and I have got to understand the real reason that people do not see good life, love life, and see good days is because they forget the things that Jesus has said. Jesus said, I don't come here for this life. I come for my Father and the glory that's yet to come. He says, Father, I pray that they will be one, that they'll be one as you and I are one. He taught the disciples to pray, and he said, when you pray, pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He points to the place of peace 
He points to the place of rescue and restoration and reconciliation. Man, I'm telling you, this is not all there is. Fear God. Fear God. Solomon finally came to this conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. When we hear and obey God, when we truly understand what God says is good life, the good days, when we truly understand what he instructs us in, I'm telling you, we go back to that text and we look at it and we're, we're blown away by the things that, that Peter begins to write and share with us about loving life and having good days. He says, finally, be all of one mind having compassion one of another love as brethren be pitiful be courteous telling you nothing hurts the witness of the church before a lost world more than conflict and division a child of god a real child of god ought to run as far away is this all right as a pastor am i allowed to do this i mean i'll dismiss myself and head out the door if it ain't all right a real child of God ought to run as far away from division and discord and tail-bearing and gossiping as they possibly can. It ain't right. It'll never be right. If you've done it, you need to repent and forsake it or you're lost and you're in a place where you're displeasing God. I'll hide. Nothing hurts the witness more of the church in this world than when they see Christians divided, when they see us fighting and, and carousing with one another in negative ways like that. Conflict and division. Bible talks about that Jesus, that God hates those things that cause discord. Hates them, hates them, hates them. I don't want to displease God like that. And when we, when we remember the enemy is constantly, Brian, he's constantly needling you with stress and trouble, trying to keep you so busy that you, you lose sight of, of, of the, the bigger things, the more important things. And he wants you to focus on yourself. He wants to give you a back rub every now and again and cause you to be about you and care about you and what about me and my poor feelings and what about me and where I am in life and what about me and what I'm supposed to do. The enemy loves to get us focused on ourselves. He walks around with a bag of mirrors constantly trying to put mirrors in our face so that we'll, we won't see what's out there in front of us, but we'll look upon the things that matter most to us in this world because the world tells you, man, it's all about number one. It's all about you. It's all about who you are. These are the things that, honestly, the Word of God is teaching us that are negative. They're not the things that satisfy. No wonder you have trouble. No wonder you're stressed out. No wonder things are not going your way. You've been fighting the wrong battle. You've been seeking after the wrong things. Peter said, finally, be ye all of one mind. We're talking about having a love for life and having good days. Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Peter's not talking about uniformity, where everyone dresses alike, acts alike, has the same rules and guidelines. He's talking about unity. You remember unity, the law of unity that's at work in the world. You did realize that there's a law of unity. Everywhere that God has ever done anything amazing or wonderful, 
anywhere in the word of God where there's ever been miraculous events? It's been when the people came together as one. One. Harmony. Unity. It was Genesis chapter 11, one of my favorite verses in all the world. And I've used it many times and I'll use it many more times until the Lord comes. Genesis chapter 11 where God came down and looked at the people building the tower in the city that would reach up to heaven. And he looked at them and he said, now look and see what they have done. And he said, because this people is one, because they're unified, because they're harmonious, because they're in one mind and one heart, one heart, because this people is one and they speak the same language, now because of this, this they have chosen to do. He said, now nothing that they imagine Nothing that they try to desire, nothing that they want in this life will be withheld from them because they have, are, are in this place where they've become one. When we see that principle, we know that's a principle of unity. That's a law of unity because those people were doing something wrong. They were actually displeasing God. But I got it down in my heart, Frida, and I thought, well, if that's true with those people that were in disobedience with God, if that's what's true when God looks down and sees that, man, when these people come together and they begin to speak the same thing and they've got one mind and one heart and now this they're supposed to do, now nothing will be withheld from them. If that's the law of unity for displeasure for those that have done wrong in the sight of God, what in the world happens when the children of God get together and get on the same page and become unified together as one mind and one heart before him and seek nothing but his will? What in the world happens then? I'm going to tell you what happens. Whenever we get there, whenever it'll happen in this church right here or in your life and in your family, if it'll ever happen, you'll see a miraculous explosion of the power of God at work and there'll be a revival such as the Middletown community has never seen in all of its history. If we'd ever get to that place, but we can't ever get on the same page at the same time. Everybody's got separate agendas. Everybody's got their own business. Everybody's got their own ministry. Everybody's got their own desires. But oh, if we'd ever get back to understanding the will of God, the will of the Lord in the earth, the will of God for this community and come together as a body of Christ, every talent, every gift, every ability coming together underneath the will of God, we'd see something, our history for 100 years has never seen before. You can say amen or oh me, whatever you want, but it's a truth. It's a truth. But you say, well, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're there. No, we're not there. We're not there. Well, no, of course we're not there. We see good days. We see miraculous events. We see great services. Many saved this morning. Many saved last Sunday morning. Many saved the Sunday before that. New people coming to our church. Some folks met me in the hall this morning at the meet and greet. And it was Curtis and Amy. They're brand new. That Today was their first day at the church. And, and he come over, grabbed me. Man, we shook hands and we talked. And, and they were so excited. He looked at me and he said, man, I'm telling you what. He said, we, we have been looking for a church. And he said, we have stopped looking this morning. I said, well, you know, have you been visiting? No, this is our very first day. But we already know the Spirit of God met us in the door. And this is our home church. So I'm going to get with you and talk to you he said this is wonderful they went on and on and on and I, I just stood back and I said man Lord that's wonderful that's beautiful 
That's amazing. I love those kind of things. And yes, God is blessing, blessing abundantly in, in, in ways that we can't even deserve. But I want to tell you tonight, I still believe we've got a lot of work to do. I still feel like we've got some things we've got to get aligned up. We've got to get on the same page with. If we'll ever get together and stop being about our own thing and let God's will be our focus and our prize, I'm telling you, we'll yet see something that we've never seen before. I believe that with all my heart. In your own life, if you'll ever get off your own agenda, if you'll ever get away from your own desires and your own plans, and you'll say, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, Lord. Let the cups of this earth pass from me, and I want to do nothing but your will. When that happens in your life and my life, I'm telling you, things begin to explode. Things begin to change. Things begin to happen. And I tell you, I ain't learned it all yet. I'm still trekking along. But I'm telling you, I've already found out enough. I've seen enough because God has been blessing and giving me opportunities. I have found that the more of me I lay down, the more of me that I crucify, the more of me that I empty, the more of God begins to fill my life and takes me into places that I can't hardly believe that I'm standing in. I want this as a church. I want this as your family. I want your family to be overjoyed. I want there to be real peace, real joy, real love, real power at work in your lives. And it comes through our understanding of this very scripture text. If you will see good days, and if you will love life, eschew yourself from evil. Refrain from speaking whatever you want. Control your tongue. Control your behavior. Get a hold of yourself. Surrender your heart and mind to the good things of God. Be kind and compassionate and courteous, pitiful. Be, be one that lays down to help and to serve others. Oh, I want us to be a serving church. I want us to be a loving, kind, and giving church. I want us to be folks that will, that will look for every avenue to get a hold of any way we can help and work at helping others and serving others and feeding others. So thrilled. You know, Brother and Sister Harris back here are wonderful new folks that have come to our church this last year. He is, they've been in a ministry feeding folks on the street for years and years. And they had some blessing come to them. And he came and he said, Pastor, we would like to do uh, what we could to help bless the families of our food pantry and now where we were just giving a couple of bags of perishable or non-perishable items such as crackers and bread or not bread but crackers and cereal and soup cans and things like that now because of their heart and because they want to serve others in this community we're giving frozen chicken and we're giving all kinds of pastries and bread and all kinds of things away they're telling you when you give yourself wholly and completely over to God, he begins to open up new opportunities and things grow and get better and better and better. It's going to be that way in your own life as you surrender and give yourself to these things. Live in harmony with others, Peter said. Unity of heart. God loves diversity. As I've always said, he doesn't want us all singing the same note in the same choir Sister Jane, is, if she had this whole choir up here and everybody was singing the same note, if everybody was singing the same part, well, how boring would that be? Unless it was Bud, because did you hear him on that last note? Mm, I heard that. I thought, oh, there it is, yes. 
it isn't about a unity of the same thing. It's about a harmony that brings all of our gifts together, that brings everything in such a beautiful way. Oh, I tell you, I'm just sharing my heart with you. The world is constantly fighting our, uni our unity, our joy, constantly fighting against the kind and the good things that make us different than them. We're different than them. We're not the same as they are. Yesterday at the funeral procession, I, I was so upset by the time I got to the cemetery. People just flying in and out and nobody giving any respect or honor to that family that was grieving and crying and trying to get to that cemetery. They were weaving in and out, cutting people off, people getting lost, nobody being able to follow. It was unbelievable. By the time I got there, half that's the, the, the family of, of, of Brother Cold Iron was so upset that the whole pallbearers came up to the front of the casket and all of them were just so frustrated and upset and hurt more by the lack of respect for their loved one. And I thought, Lord, this, this whole world, man, they're so mean out there. They're so mean. Lord, I, we, I told God, I said, I don't like meanness. I don't like mean people. I want love. I want to see more love. I want to see there'd be such a, a desire to, to love others and to reach out to others. And, and especially, not only out there, not only do I get on you sometimes, and you've heard me do that, and, and I do it because I love you. You know, my mother used to tell us, you know, Sister Sandy, she, she, would, she would point the finger and she'd give us a little lecture, but it was only because my mama loved us and she wanted us to be raised right. You know, when we all sat six kids on the pew at Philadelphia Drive growing up, Brother William E. Winters is up there shaking his keys and preaching under the power. And mother would look, she would be amen and, and she'd be doing her thing and she'd be glancing this way. And if any one of us moved in that service in a way that wasn't appropriate, all we'd hear is this. She'd snap her finger and we were like, oh no. My mother didn't beat us. My mother wasn't abusive. We wouldn't have called child services on her. But that little snap, that's all it took. We'd sit on that pew and we'd just hope she forgot. <laughs> just hope she forgot. After church, she'd be laughing and joking, hugging Sister Winters and Sister Charlotte Muhall and all these people. She'd just be hugging on everybody. And I'd be like, Phew. We'd get out to the car, and she'd be laughing. We'll see you all. Bye-bye. We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you. She'd get in the car, and she'd say, when we get home. <laughs> she never let us get away with it. She never let us get away from, with it. We always had to give account for where we were and what we were doing in the house of God. My mother was just... One of those people that taught us things that, that now they're just inbred in me. And so, sorry, now you have to hear them. Now you have to, you have a pastor who wants you to be kind and good. I love, I love our reputation. And I thank you, I thank you for that. I, I go to O'Charlie's, I go to Olive Garden, I go to Applebee's. I mean, I'm single. I, I go to all those places. They know me by name. I walk in the door, they... Hit me up with a Diet Coke with lime on the table before I even sit down. They know who I am, but you know what? They always have a good word to say about Stratford Heights. 
they always have a good word to say about us. I, I actually have some of those servers over there that, that I, they see me walk in the door and they, they ask for me. I sometimes will go to sit at a table, Brother Charlie, and I ushered over to another table because somebody requested me. Not because I'm good looking, but because I'm kind, I'm good. I'm not going to stiff them. I'm going to give them a good tip. Because I believe that when I walk into Applebee's in Olive Garden, I believe that I represent Jesus when I go in there. And how many of you know Jesus ain't a cheapskate? Jesus ain't a cheapskate. He ain't a grumbler and a complainer. He isn't somebody that misrepresents. Peter said, if you'd love life and have good days, and we've got to have these kinds of things. He says, have compassion. Compassion, which means to be sympathetic. Our hearts and our emotions are to be moved by the problems of others. We're to seek out ways to comfort one another. I, I, I find in my own life, I want to be more compassionate. I, I want to reach out to people more. I want to care more for people. And you, I want you to feel that way. I want you to, to understand that's the way it should be. Care about others. Be sympathetic. Put yourself in their shoes. You don't know what people are going through. Even some folks, you know, I, I had a wonderful breakthrough with the Lord because the Lord said, hey, you know, some of those people that, that you're always so upset about, you know, the ones that, that, you know, in the world that, that don't pull over for funerals, and he said, you don't know what they're going through. Pray for them. That's why Jesus said, man, pray for those. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for your enemies. The Lord had to teach me a powerful lesson. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what kind of day they're having. It's not about me trying to judge them or put them down. That's not any better than, than the mean people are, right? What I'm supposed to do is just take care of me. I'm supposed to take care of me. I'm supposed to have a good attitude and a good heart. I'm supposed to be kind and full of compassion for others. We must be able to feel what others feel. We, we need to allow what their pain to come into our heart and speak to us. Jesus was that way. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. When he came up on Lazarus, the tomb, and they sang about that tonight. Mary and Martha, Mary's sitting back in the house. Martha runs to the Lord, and what does Jesus say? Where's Mary? Where's Mary? Oh, she's, she's in the house. She couldn't bring herself to come out. The Bible talks about how the Lord was moved. He was broken for her. He knew she hurt. He went to her. He didn't get mad at her. He went to her. He reached into her hurt. And he healed her. And he touched her. With his words of life, I'm the resurrection and the life. But Lord, if you'd only been here. Jesus says, wherever I am, I'm life. And he spoke to that tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. 
He speaks into our lives even when it's dead around you. Even though it's dead in your life, even though you don't feel like there's any hope of life, the one who gives life is speaking into your life. He says, keep yourself in a place where I can use you. Keep yourself in a place where I can bless you. Keep yourself in a place where I can, like a hand in a glove, can use you as a tool for my love and kindness in this world. The reason he tells us not to be about ourselves is not because he wants mindless robots. It's because he wants us to pour ourselves out so that he can empower us from within. So that he can make us into people that show forth the salt and the light in this earth that gives the, the wonderful words to every lost, hopeless person that there is, is life in Christ. Amen? Sympathy, compassion, reaching out for the lost in our community. Don't shun those who are lost. Don't get mad at them and don't judge them because they're lost. I've said it so many times before, but we need to constantly remind ourselves of the fact that lost people are going to act lost. You know that? So why are we always so shocked when they do lost things? They're lost. Our heart and our mind is not to be shocked, but to pray for them and to love them. To love them anyhow. Love them anyhow. You can't save them by your rejection. Your rejection won't speak into their life. Only the love of God will touch them. Only the Holy Spirit, as he breaks into the hardness of their heart and life, that's the only hope they have. So you showing the love of God to them, that is you ministering life to them. That's you speaking into the dead things in their life and allowing God to use them. Use you. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, a friend, a brother. You hurt, I hurt. You weep, I weep. You cry, I cry. You go through death, I go through death with you. Love as brethren. I loved what I saw on the front row of cold iron funeral yesterday that whole family they got six kids in their family and all of them brother-in-laws and and daughters and sons everybody all together each one of them was just locked in arms with each other that whole row was a chain and I looked at him in the middle of the service and I said you know what the comfort of the Holy Spirit and I cut talked about the peace of the Lord and how God's going to be there through the difficult days that lie ahead but I looked at him and I said, you know what? I don't worry about you all because you're doing exactly what you need to do right there. You're hanging on to each other. You're loving as brethren. You're loving as brothers and sisters. You're reaching out and not letting people go all by themselves into the troubles and the trials of this life. You're not letting them. You know, John chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. I had to pause there for a second. 
By this, listen to me, neighbor. Listen to me, grandma. Listen to me, uncle. Listen to me, dad. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Jesus is talking to the very men at this part in Scripture. To the very men who would deny him. Who would reject him, run from him, walk from him. And Jesus was giving this instruction. Love one another. By this, by this, all the world will know that you're my disciples. Do we forget this? How often do we forget this? And then we end up cold and indifferent and we wonder why everything's going wrong. John told us in the scripture that this is how we know we've passed from death to life. That we have love for the brethren. This is our trademark. It's our ID bracelet. It's who we are. I challenge you as a church. I challenge you. And we've got to get, as Judy would say, and she's back there. Ever since I was 18 years old, Judy's told me one thing over and over and over again. She says, you got to get skin like a turtle. When I became youth pastor, she walked into my office. First thing she said, first day, Ray, you got to get skin like a turtle. You're working in church. you got to let that outer shell be so hard, so impenetrable that every attack, every arrow, Everybody that ever persecutes or comes against you, man, just let it hit and roll right off your back. But don't ever forget to stay as soft as a baby on the inside. Stay soft and pliable and tender on the inside. The heart is a rock and a shell on the outside. Keep skin like a turtle. Through the years, many different times, she'd tell me, keep skin like a turtle. When I became pastor the first day, seven years ago, I walked into my office. I looked at Judy and she said, skin like a turtle. And boy, was she ever right. And I'm so glad I understood that and I've applied that in my life. As a matter of fact, if you're ever in my office and I'm talking with you and you are actually stressing me out, I have a small turtle sitting right on my desk. And every now and again, when I'm being stressed out and I'm feeling uh, the weight of it and I'm getting upset or I'm like, oh goodness, I reach over and I begin to pet that turtle. So if you're ever in my office and I'm petting the turtle, chill out. <laughs> I've given turtles away to all the staff and given them away to friends with that message. I'm a I've told Judy I'm going to write a book on that one day. Keep skin like a turtle. Live in humility. Live in compassion. Love like brothers. Be courteous kind he who would have love for life and find good days let him do these things stand with me tonight that you and I might inherit a blessing these are things that I believe are relevant. You know, maybe you don't need it. 
Maybe, Mark, you got it down. Maybe you're the most loving guy on the face of the earth. But I'm pastor of the church. And so I practice what Ron Medley used to do. He, he preached one night and he, and he says, I may be, the words that I speak may be pointing a finger. He said, but I never forget that the thumb is coming straight back to me. Yesterday, I was so mad at all them drivers. Sometimes I get mad. Sometimes I get an attitude. I ain't picking on you. I'm not picking on us, Caleb. Sometimes I have to repent. Sometimes I get stressed out. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I just want to gripe. And Melissa, you're one of those people that I'll gripe to. Thank you for listening sometimes and not judging me. We all find ourselves in those space places, so I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm trying to share the scripture that says if you will love life and have good days, be kind, loving, courteous, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Do these things. Control your tongue. Refrain from doing evil. Do good. God is letting us know, Luis, that if we'll have good, if our desire is for the good, then we'll do these things. And we'll run from the things that we normally think are us standing up for ourselves. Standing up for myself is standing up for him and denying me. That's what gives me happiness. That's what wins our families. That's what wins the lost. I want you to help me tonight. I want to pray for there to be just a, a, a love bath in our church. So much serving, so much kindness, so much courteousness, so much forgiving. Assume the best in people. What's it going to hurt? How's it going to hurt you? Well, if I assume the best, they might get the better of me. No. They're going to get the worst of you. Assume the best. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Ain't going to hurt anything. At the end of the day, you'll be the one laughing, loving life. You'll be having good days. You'll be blessed. Sister Wood, this morning I went down to her and I said, how you doing, Sister Wood? She said, I'm blessed. I said, I know you are. Tonight, as a way of bringing this home, I want to ask each of us as a church, as Christians, as pastors, as ministers, from our adults, to our youth, to our children, to our babies. Let's be kind and loving. Let's unify in a way that the enemy cannot penetrate. Let's, let's apply the law of unity and see what happens.
if you would help me in saying, God, I'm in. I want that. Then I'm going to invite you. I want you to pray unity, love, life, good days on your brothers and your sisters. I want you to pray it over your families, your children. I want you to come and spend the season. Maybe you want to do it there at your seat. Maybe you want to come down to the altar. But I want you with me to, in God's house tonight, us consecrate ourselves and give ourselves wholly and completely to the scriptures that talk about loving life and having good days. Would you come and spend just a few minutes in prayer with me tonight? I believe it's going to turn our church upside down. I truly do. Worship you in spirit and truth. Hallowed be thy name. My soul burst with praise. The same spirit that dwells in me is of you. The joy that comes from your presence, the power that comes from your name, it makes the spirit that dwells in me burst forth with praise. I worship you in spirit and truth. Hallowed be thy name. My soul bursts with praise. The same spirit that dwells in me is of you. Oh, the joy that comes from your presence. Oh, Lord, the power that comes from your name. It makes the spirit that dwells Oh. 
my Savior reached down for me. When he reached way down for me, I was lost and undone without God or his son. When my Savior reached down for me, when my Savior reached down for me, he had to reach way down for me. Was 
please continue to pray. If everybody would stand with me. If you're still praying, feel free to keep on praying. We're going to pray and we're going to dismiss the, the service. I, I uh, got word that you all prayed for my son, Leo. He had a little surgery this past week and he was having some issues with some of the incisions that he had. Uh, but we've got him checked out and uh, he's doing good. And as long as nothing else goes weird, that he'll be, he'll be just fine. But I appreciate your prayers. Thank you very much. Uh, we have, uh, somebody has a little bit of a medical issue out in the lobby. So if you could, tonight after we get on praying, if you could just kind of float out the sides instead of maybe flooding the lobby, uh, I believe the ambulance might be here for it to check somebody out out there. Uh, I believe it's Joe G, and if you would, we're going to close in prayer. We're going to pray for him, and we're going to ask God to be with us and help us to be Christians and to be examples and be the church in this world. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we honor you. God, that you're always on time and you're always in the middle of every one of our needs. And we just appreciate so much that you've been here for us. God, we pray that you would be with Joe. Just minister to him and help him, whatever the situation is. Pray that you would just protect him and be with him. Let your angels be around him and touch him right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray that you would be with us. Lord, as we are the church, I pray that you would anoint us and help us. Lord, to be so full of your spirit, God, that we'd be full of the fruits of your spirit, and Lord, love would come out of us, and joy would come out of us, peace would be part of our everyday life, Lord, just touch us and help us to be the church, to be a reflection of you, and Lord, anoint us and use us to affect this world, in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. God bless you all, we'll see you in church this week, amen. And Missy Osborne wants you to know that she is out there ready to take your picture appointment right now.